If you have your Bible, let's look at the story together. Uh, Let's hear what the Word has to say to us about this day. John chapter 20, we'll be looking at. John chapter 20, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 18. If you haven't been with us since, uh, since Christmas, we have been going through the Gospel of John, and we have been hearing this good news of Jesus um, and the work He has done on our behalf. And so today, I'm, I'm going to spend, like I have been, spend a lot of our time not only in John chapter 20, but I'm going to reference the entire Gospel. Um, so if you want to keep your Bible open with me, I'll, I'll kind of reference where, where I'm headed. But here we hear the good news of this day, the first uh, Resurrection Sunday. Chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes." But Mary, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she returned and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me yet, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This question has been on Jesus' lips before. Whom or what are you looking for? In fact, at the very beginning of the gospel, when Jesus met the first disciples, he simply asked them, what are you looking for? 
And here at the end of the gospel, he says basically the same thing to another one of his disciples. At the very end, when the victory has been won, he still says, whom are you looking for? This morning on Easter Day, millions of people all around the world are basically going to church. They are going to the the tomb. Because they've heard something big has happened. And millions of people will go to the tomb and they'll look in like the disciples did in this story. And I wonder, what are we looking for when we come to the tomb? Whom are we looking for when we come to the tomb? I wonder if millions of people will go to church on this Easter Sunday and then they'll just go back home and really not much has changed for them. They'll look in the tomb and they will have not found maybe what they are looking for. And I want to tell us this morning to ask us a question, what are we looking for? Because the good news of the resurrection, what we say in the church is that it's good news for everybody. Whether you've been in the church all of your life or you've never stepped foot in a church and you don't know anything about the story of God, it is good news for all of us. So this morning I wonder, what are you looking for? And can I tell you it's found in the empty tomb in the risen Christ? I I can't claim to know exactly your story or to know exactly what you're looking for this morning. Um, but I tend to think that we humans, we're not all that different from one another. Um, I, I spent a year as a hospice chaplain, and it was an incredible time. It was kind of a residency after uh, my seminary degree, and every day I walked into rooms where people were dying, and I had conversations with them as a chaplain. Um, every day, conversation after con- conversation with dying people. And uh, you, know, you know what I didn't hear a lot of times was, boy, I wish I, I would have made more money. If only I had made more money, it would have made this easier. I never heard that. Except if you ask a lot of people what they're looking for in their lives, they say, more money. That would fix a lot of my problems. You know, I didn't hear people in their dying days say, boy, I really wish I would have gotten that promotion I never got. No. Or, or boy, I wish I would have gotten a little more prestige or power in the world. Boy, if I could have done that, that would have made this time easier. We didn't really talk about that. Um, And then when the chaplain comes in the room, we we definitely did talk about spiritual things. But But you know what really people wanted to talk to me about? They wanted to talk with the chaplain about? It was family. Most of my time as a chaplain, I would talk to them about their families. I would talk to them, they would share the regrets that they had with their families. They would share the pain that they had from their families. Or, or they would share the joy that they had in their families. They, they'd share that they were worried about their children or their grandchildren after they left. A lot of times, we talked about family. You may say, Pastor, that's not that spiritual. What I want to say to us this morning, that, it, that is spiritual, is the reason they wanted to talk about families is because we, you and I, were created for relationships, right? If you look around any movie you watch, I just watched a movie last night, it was a real tearjerker, it was one of my favorites, it's a romantic comedy. Brother Ray, is it okay that my favorite movie is a romantic comedy? Yeah, is that okay? I'm allowed to have that. It was about family, though. It was really about family. Every TV show, you know, I've seen This Is Us. It's one of the most popular TV shows. It's all about family, right? 
And I say that is spiritual because we were created for relationship. We were created, uh, it's not just family, but family is often where we find it. We were created to be loved and to show love. We were created to relate to one another. We were created to have a place where people loved us and they knew us and where we belonged and we were accepted and where we're known. And no matter if we're the, the prettiest or the strongest or the fastest or the, the people know us and they love us. Say, Pastor, this is Easter Sunday. We're supposed to be talking about dead people raising. We're getting there. We're getting there. This question of what are you looking for, I think a lot of times people will come to church and they don't hear what they're looking for. But I'm here to tell you that Resurrection Sunday is exactly what we are looking for and what we are need. It's what you and I were created for from the very start was not only a relationship with other humans, but a relationship with God. In fact, what I want to tell you this morning is that the story of salvation really is a story of family. That this is the culmination of that story here in the resurrection, but the entire scope of salvation history, salvation is one of those fancy church words, and today I'm not going to try to use too many of my church words with us, but the story of the Bible, the story of salvation is really just the story of family. And so I kind of want to catch us up on that story before we get to the the resurrection and what it means for you and me. You see, because in this story of salvation, even John begins his gospel with it. He says, in the beginning, in the very beginning, back before time, there wasn't just a, a lonely God sitting there by himself for all of eternity. What was there? In the beginning was the word, was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. What we believe in the church is that God, in and of himself, is, is a family. We say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the perfect family. Oh, it's one where it's perfect love, perfect harmony, perfect giving of oneself to the other. It is the perfection of love within God's self is what we believe. And John begins his gospel with that because we have to start from that starting place. In the beginning was a the perfect family. And this perfect family was so loving and, and so creative that they just had to create. They had to bring others into this relationship. And so out of love, God created the world. And he created us humans to be the pinnacle of that creation so that we could join in on that family. No, not on the same divine level. We would always be human. But God created humans. God created all of creation First and foremost, for relationship. Out of love, he created us to be in a relationship with that perfect family, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the, we had a job to do. We were created to be the stewards of all of creation, that we would represent God in the world, that we'd have this perfect relationship with God, and we'd have a relationship with others, and we would represent God. We would reflect God's love in the world, Right? But here's where the story of our family went wrong. That almost from the very beginning, you know the story of Adam and Eve, I won't get into specifics, but almost from the very beginning we said, you know what, 
we don't want to be a part of this family anymore. Have you ever experienced that pain in your life? Someone says, I don't want to be a part of this family anymore. That's what we said to God. We said, God, thanks but no thanks. We're going to go our own way. We're going to do things like we want to do them. We've got this thing figured out. We don't need you. And so they left home, quite literally. The story is that they left the Garden of Eden, and they set out on their own. And this, this started us down a bad path we call sin. It started us down uh, brokenness and pain. That once we had chosen against God, we we had fallen into a trap that we couldn't get ourselves out of. And the, the first sin in the Bible is a brother killing a brother. It's a story, a family story of pain and brokenness. And that, and that was our story when we, we denied God, we rejected God, and yet God never gave up on us. Why? Because he loved us. And then he chose a people, I, I won't spend too much going through the whole Bible this morning, we have time, uh, but just real quickly, just real quickly, God chose a people. And he said, oh, I, God loved us so much. He didn't give up to us. After we had rejected him, he said, no, I have a plan. I want to choose a people. I want to reveal myself to these people, and they are going to bring all people into my kingdom. And yet, once again, these people, the Israelites, God had saved them powerfully from, powerfully from bondage and slavery in Egypt, and he delivered them. But yet, time and time again, they replayed that same old human story, and they said, no. God the Father. God told them, Israel, I want to be your father. And time and time again, they, they just couldn't stay in the family. They were in bondage by sin and evil, and they kept getting caught up. But yet God never gave up on his creation because he loved us. We were his children, created to be in his family, and he never let us go. So in the fullness of time, what we believe, actually, it's incredible. It's beyond belief. Somehow, someway, a member of that perfect family, the Son, Jesus himself, took on flesh and came on a rescue mission, came like a big brother to save us, to redeem us. He came to, to bring us back into the family. Why? Well, John tells us in his gospel, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. That whoever should believe shall not perish. God sent his son out of love for us so that he could bring us back into the family. John actually says this later in chapter one, in verse 12. This is what John says about Jesus. But to all who received him, he, who, he, whoever believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God. Do you see that, that God sends his son Jesus to rescue us? It's a family rescue story that we were far off from God, that we were caught up in our brokenness and our sin and trapped by evil, and we couldn't get, find our way home. We were lost. It's a family story. And so he sends Jesus to reconcile us back to the Father. We're like a child, right? A child that maybe when you're eight or nine years old, you think, I can do this better than my parents are doing. Anybody ever think that? I did at some point, right? 
And you get into your idea, maybe I'll run away. That'll be fun, right? I'll be able to stay up as late as I want. And what happens? If, you know, you hear stories, I never was brave enough to do it. You heard stories as a kid, that kid that ran away, you quickly realize the world's a scary place. We were that kid that ran away. And before we know it, we got in way over our heads. And, and the, the story I'm telling you right now, the story of salvation, is really we couldn't find our way back home. In fact, we had been gone from home so long, we couldn't even remember what God the Father looked like. We, we didn't even know what God the Father looked like. So that when God came in the flesh to reconcile and to save us and to bring us back home, we didn't recognize him. And when God came and gave up perfect unity and, and glory in heaven, and he came and took on our suffering and our pain and, the, and this feeble body, we didn't recognize him. We were so caught up in sin and our brokenness. But Jesus came out of love for us and he revealed who God was to us. That's what we believe, that Jesus revealed God the Father perfectly to us. But once again, we did what humans have done throughout our history. We rejected God in the flesh. And in fact, this time was a little different because now we had God, we could grab, put our hands on God. That God made himself vulnerable out of love for us to rescue us. And what did we do? We killed him. We rejected him we said, no, we don't want anyone above us. We don't want any God for us. We don't want to go back home. And so we nailed him to a tree. This God that came out of love for us to bring us back home into the family, we killed him. That was the height of our sin. That was the height of our, our abandonment, the height of our evil that we were involved with. And literally Jesus bore that in himself that while we were replaying the same track of sin and evil, this time Jesus, he bore the consequences. Jesus died because of our sin and our rejection. And that should have been the end. At that point, after thousands of years of rejection and saying no to God and finally killing God in the flesh, we should have been done for that should have been the end of our story. God could have said, I've done everything in my power to bring them back home, and they've said no. And that should have been the end. But it wasn't. And that's where we find, in John chapter 20, we come across Mary. Mary's standing at the tomb, and she's weeping. She's weeping because exactly what we've been talking about, that the Son of God in the flesh was rejected and murdered, and she can't find him. That death has taken him from her. If you have to understand Mary's story to understand why this is a big deal, uh, before Jesus, Mary, um, we don't know much about her. She gets a bad rap sometimes. Uh, but all we do know of her is that she was demon-possessed. Um, and Jesus freed her from that. Demon possession, I'm not trying to downplay it, but also during this time, they, they uh, call demon possession a lot of things that we would sometimes call mental illness. 
Um, and it could, could have well been what we still call demon possession, but if you had epilepsy, if you had uh, mental health, schizophrenia, anything of that nature, you, they called that demon possession. And so Jesus healed her. He freed her from the power of evil, whatever it was. Before that, though, she was a woman that had no place in society. Women already had a bad enough time during this time of society. But if you were demon-possessed, if you had epilepsy, you were vulnerable. You were cast off. You had no place in society. You had no place of love. You had no home. You had no family. And yet when she met Jesus, he freed her. He forgave her. And he brought her into his family, right? For the first time in her life, Mary Magdalene, the demon-possessed woman who no one wanted to be around, she was invited into Jesus' family. She became a disciple. And she found what she had always been looking for, a home where they knew her name, where she was accepted, where she was loved. But now, standing here in John chapter 20, all that has been ripped away because of sin, evil, and death. Those are the things that always break relationship. Those are the things that always bring an end to our love and our families and our homes. And here she thought it was just once again. And so she's crying. But in her crying, someone stands behind her. And he must not look like something uh, special because she thinks he's the gardener, right? He's probably just normal everyday clothes. And he asks a question. Why are you crying? And whom are you looking for? And she says, don't you know, Jesus was laid here, and now they've taken away, I don't know. And you can just hear rambling off in her grief, and, her, and Jesus almost can't take it. What does he do? He calls her by name. You know, home is always where they know your name, and they call you by name. Your mom or dad always call you by your full name. Andrew Mark Cameron's get over here right now. <laughs> Jesus knows Mary. He loves Mary. And he calls her by name, Mary. And she instantly recognizes him. And she calls him Rabuni. It's an affectionate term for teacher. And we're not told exactly in, in the, the scripture this morning, but we can tell by Jesus' reaction, I'm sure she, she wraps him up in his arms. She just grabs a hold tight of him. And in fact, he says, Mary, don't, don't hold on to me too much, right? I've got places to go. I can't stay here with you. And then Jesus gives her a job to do. Jesus says, Mary, I need you to go do something for me. And here, oh, it's, it's incredible. Jesus entrusts her with the first Easter sermon, Right? Here is the gospel, the good news given to Mary. Go tell my brothers. Go tell them. Can I take a side note here? We Nazarenes have always affirmed women in ministry, that women uh, are just as equal to lead the church as, as men are. And here we have confirmation of that, that Jesus, the first preacher of the gospel, the resurrection story here, is a woman. In every gospel, it is always the women who bring the good news all right, that's my aside. Right. So he gives her the message, and here's the message. What is, what is the gospel message? This is it. Jesus proclaims it right when he's resurrected. Tell them, 
I'm ascending to God, to my Father. Now here's the best part. And your Father. My God and your God. This is the good news of the gospel. It's a family story because what Jesus has done for us, we now have a way to be a part of God's family. We have a way to come back home again that we can call God Father because of what our big brother Jesus has done on our behalf. When we couldn't find our way home because we were so broken, we were so sinful, we were so lost. We didn't even know what God looked like. Jesus came out of love for us to bring us back home. And even when we should have been destroyed, even when we should have had the consequences of our sin, Jesus bore them in himself out of love for us and the cross. And that should have been the end of it, but the good news is it's not the end that our sins do not define us, our, our past does not have to have hold of us, that Jesus can change us. He can bring a new start. And he brings that new start first and foremost by bringing us home back into the family of God. One of my favorite passages in the Gospel of John that really talks about this is and found in John chapter 14. And Jesus has been telling the disciples that he must suffer and die. Um, and they're not, they're not getting it. And they don't understand what is going on. And they're troubled. They're upset by what he's telling them. In John chapter 14, oh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, listen at what Jesus says to the disciples in John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. There are many homes. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Do you hear in God and that the desire of God, that we would be with God, we would be in the home of God forever and ever, that we would have a place in God's home, this is the work of Jesus. He continues, and you know the way to the place I'm going. You know the way home now. And Thomas says, no, I, I, Lord, I don't know the way home. I don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Do you hear how the beauty of the family story? Sometimes we use that uh, scripture to kind of clobber people over the head and say, you know, Get on board with Jesus or else, right? And instead, it's, it's the story of the family that now we know what the Father looks like because of Jesus. Now we know how to get home because of Jesus. Jesus reveals what home looks like to us. He reveals that the will of God is that we would be with him forever because we're his children, 
And we've been lost for so long. We've been stuck in pain. And God hates to see his children like that. And his entire mission from the beginning of creation to the end of creation is to be with us, to love us and for us to love him. And the way we know that, and then the, the way we can come home is through Jesus. Because Jesus came, he died, and he was resurrected so that we could call God Father. And the good news that Jesus is saying, I'm ascending, he's saying that this isn't the end. This, today we celebrate, it's just the beginning, right? This is just the beginning of the story because Jesus now is preparing a place for us. He's got to do some renovations, right? Because the family of God just got way bigger. Because now the door is thrown open to every man, woman, and child. You don't have to be a, a Jewish descent. You don't have to be born in the Holy Land. You don't have to be born in any nation. You don't have to be of any certain race or creed or language or tribe. Everyone is invited to be a part of the family of God. So Jesus says, hey, I've got to go do it. I've got work to do. I've got to go blow out a few doors and a few walls to, to make a dwelling place, to make a home for us forever. That's the good news of the gospel, that God wants you. He's been searching for you all of your life to make sure you have a place in his home and his family forever and ever. So let me ask you, what are you looking for this morning? You may hear this and you say, uh, Pastor Andrew, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, I, I really don't want to be a part of God's family. That's fair. God gives us that option. Uh, that's really the story uh, uh, of our histories, that the reason we've been able to exist so long is God gives us the freedom to say no. I hope that's not your answer. You may say, Pastor Andrew, I'm really mad at God. You know, there, there's a family dispute between me and God. He's, uh, I've lived a really painful life, and uh, I haven't seen God very much in it. And I'd say, friend, that's not because of God. That's because we live in this broken world. We're a part of this broken story. We're a part of a human race that has said no to God time and time again. And the pain and the brokenness that you felt in your life and I felt in my life, that's because of our choices. That's because of the choices of those who have come before us, right? That's, a, that's the choice of sin and evil we've made. And I want to tell you that God's done everything in his power to allow us to have that freedom to say no, but it's still to bring us back home. So if you're like me, and you're like Mary, You've been looking for a place to call home. You may not have called it like that. Maybe you've been looking in all the wrong places. Maybe time and time again, romance has failed you. Maybe time and time again, your biological family has failed you and hurt you. Maybe time and time again, this world has failed you. But can I tell you that I'm looking for a place where I'm loved and accepted? I'm looking for a place where people know me, know my faults, and still love me, where I'm safe and secure, where I have a place of belonging. And if you're like me, that place is with God through the power of Jesus Christ, that he came to bring us home. So all you need to do is say yes. All you need to do is say, 
I want to be a part of God's family. That I don't want to be subject to the powers of sin and evil. And I don't want to be afraid of death. I don't want death to be the final word in my life and in my family's life. That I want a place to belong for all eternity. And that's the gift of the resurrection, that that's what Jesus achieved for us so that we could come into the family and call God Father. And all you need to do is believe. All you need to do is believe in what Jesus has done for you. You say, Pastor, why do I need to believe, right? Is that just a test? Is that a code word that Jesus is testing me to see if I can believe? No. (laughs) How can you be a part of a family? How can you be, be a part of a loving relationship if you don't even believe, A, in the other person, or if you don't believe that that other person loves you, right? I can't be in a relationship with my wife unless I believe that she loves me, right? I have to go on trust that Rebecca loves me. Yeah, she can say it. Yeah, she can do some things. But ultimately, I have to believe that she loves me. We have to believe that God loves you and that God is as revealed through Jesus Christ. You have to believe that Jesus came for you and that it worked, that Jesus made the way, that he is the way back home. And when you come back to the family, right, we kind of use fancy language for this. We say you got to confess and repent um, and, and proclaim. And really what we mean by that, you know, when you've had a family dispute and you come home, what do you do? You say, sorry. You got, I'm sorry I left. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I hurt myself. And you just tell the truth about what happened. And then you make a decision not to continue in that life. You make a decision to live as a member of the family, to find your place back home. Is that what you're looking for this morning? It's open to you and all of us. And that's just the start of the story. For those of us who have become a part of the family. The cool thing is is that uh, we are given work to do, that we are able to be free to do what we were originally created to be, to reflect God, to represent God, to be a part of the family business, right? When we become a part of the family, it's not about sitting on the beach and sipping Mai Tais. That's, you know, that's what spoiled children do. Actually, what, what we talk about here at the church a lot is What it means to be a part of the family is we look to Jesus. We say, hey, there's the son of God. There's our big brother. That's what we were created to be. And we're free from the power of Christ now to become like that. And so that's what we do. We we join the family business and we join in the redemption of the world and we show people God's love and we start loving and serving others as Christ has served us. This is the family business. This is what we are invited into. You know, when you come back home, I hate to tell you, you know, this is what my dad always told me, you can't come back home and be a bum, right? You know, you can't just lay on the couch and play video games all day. That we are invited to something much more beautiful and powerful. We are invited to the family business. And can I tell you, it's not just about coming on church on Sunday. It's not. It's so much bigger than that. That, you know, coming to church is great but it's about becoming what we are created to be in Jesus Christ. But can I also tell you that being a part of the family means you get together with the family? Amen, right? You know, there's something wrong 
with Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby never comes to the family meals. He never shows up at the family reunions. He never shows up at anything. That if we are actively participating in the family of God right here, right now, there is something wrong with our relationship with the family, right? That we come together and we support one another. Right here, what we do at church, it doesn't need to be this church. It can be a group of 10 people meeting in the living room. It can be in a shopping mall center where Christians gather. Wherever people come together as a family of God through Jesus Christ, is we've got to come together for support and love and encouragement to practice the home life. We've got to come together as we're about to do to eat the family meal. That's what it means to be a part of the family of God. Jesus, at the beginning of the gospel, asked the question, what are you looking for? And by the end of the gospel, it became the question, who are you looking for? This morning, I simply want to tell you that at the core of the good news is the story of a relationship. And it's a relationship you and I were created from the very start to be a part of. That all of your longings in your life lead up to this moment of looking into the tomb and seeing the resurrected Christ and hearing him call your name. Because he knows you and he loves you and he wants you to come back home. Will you say yes? Will you come back home and join the family of God? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in these moments, as we prepare our hearts to respond to you, I pray that you would call us by name, that we would hear the loving voice of a father calling to us, and that we would respond. Send your spirit now. Make Christ available to us in these moments, the risen Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen. As our servers come down, uh, what we do almost weekly here is what families do. We eat at the Father's table. You know, it's, I, I don't know about your family, but that's the, our family at the best. We get around the table and we tell stories and we celebrate the joy of being together. And that's really what communion is. That we come together and we remember. We remember the story that we were once enemies of God. We were once lost and broken far away, but Christ came and redeemed us. And can I tell you, when you come down to this table, that you're saying yes to God, that this is a decision point for you, that if you come and eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you are receiving the forgiveness and the grace of God. All that we simply ask, that everyone's welcome at this table, we simply ask that you make that decision and you say yes to the family. That when you eat with the family, you are a part of the family. So we're gonna invite you to come down. You'll come down your side rows if you, when you choose. You can take time to pray beforehand or afterhand. Uh, we invite you to pray at an altar about anything that's burdening you. Pray about what God's speaking to you, that if he's calling your name right now, I invite you to pray at an altar. Then you can return to your seat later through the middle aisle. But I hope you hear the Father's voice calling you by name. He knows you and he loves you. And here he spreads the table wide and says, why don't you come on down?
eat with us. Come back home. On the night our Lord was betrayed, he took bread. Having broke it, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat whenever you do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, whenever you do, in remembrance of me. That is the family story. Will you be a part of it? Come when you are ready. Let us continue to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming and redeeming us and bringing us back home, Lord. We know it came at a great cost to you that you suffered and died on our behalf, and yet the power of your love and your grace and your forgiveness has overcome all. And today we celebrate that and we thank you for that and we latch hold of that promise that we call you Father now. We, we find our identity only in you. And may that be so, Lord. Uh, may we never stray. May you always keep us close. May we always know your love and share your love and seek to bring others back home as well, Lord. May we make known that there is a place that everyone belongs. There is a place where everyone is loved, and it's right here inside of your kingdom, inside of the home of God. So may we be faithful to preach that resurrection news wherever we go, Lord. And may we be faithful to live in to the resurrection in our lives. We lift up those who are hurting or struggling today, Lord, and we pray that your power of resurrection would be in their lives. We think of Richard Banks as he's in the hospital, Lord. We pray that you'd give strength to his body and that you would uh, give him a peace even through the hardship he's experiencing, Lord. But we do ask that you'd bring him back to the fullness of health. Uh, we lift up Brother Wayne uh, Key, Lord, as he's in the hospital as well. Continue to improve his kidney function and bless him, we pray. And we lift up... Uh, Brother John, as he's on his way to, to his father's funeral, and may he find your comfort and your peace and your grace. And on this Easter, may he trust that his father has been raised already, that he is with you in your kingdom at home, Lord. And we thank you for that promise. And be with those who are gathered here today that are hurting, that are struggling, that that may be because uh, family discord or uh, workplace or just uh, emotional needs, Lord, those who are struggling today, may they feel your peace. May they know your love and may they trust in that, Lord. Uh, we pray for those Christians around the world who are struggling or hurting today that may, they may be living in fear because of the resurrection news, Lord. May you bless them, protect them, and guide their steps, provide for them, Lord. Uh, we thank you that you are calling men and women all around the world. May we be a part of that. May we be a part of the family business. May you put us to work in your kingdom. And may we be faithful to respond, Lord. We love you so much. And we praise you, the risen King. Help us to pray as you taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He is risen. Amen. Would you stand with me? May you be the people, may you be the family of God forever and ever. May you never be tempted to stray. May you never be tempted to doubt. But may you believe in those resurrection words that God is our Father and Jesus is the way back home. May you show others the way as well.